Hey everybody, this is Kevin Couch from the podcast. Get this, it's the show about things people love. And I'm coming to you on June 18th in the increasingly foul year of our Lord 2020. From the studio in downtown St. Paul overlooking the light rail here and some of the murals we have. And I'm joined today by Taylor Summers. Taylor, how are you? Doing well, Kevin. Thanks for having me today. All right, yeah. And where are you? I'm in Austin, Texas. The great city of Austin in the great state of Texas. Fantastic. And, um, you know, this is the show about things people love, so we like to kick off with with a subject. Um, But maybe first uh, I'll ask you about something boring. We were talking about this, uh, you know, (laughs) up front. How's the weather? It's hot down there, huh? Yeah, as I said earlier, it's always extended summertime most of the time down here in Austin, Texas. Uh, So we're not officially in summer until the weekend here, but... It is a, well, I like to say, roasty toasty down here. Throughout Ro- the roasty. I remember moving there for grad school and the shock that I encountered when I thought I could walk across the campus at, oh, this was in August. Mm-hmm. I had a meeting or something at one and I got there at 11 and I parked and I thought, oh, I'm fine. And by the time I got halfway there, I was, I realized I was in for a new kind of hot. Uh, having oh, yeah. having come from the north originally, so yeah, well, you know, enjoy that. Try to try to maybe uh, you know stay indoors most of the middle of the day, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a uh, one th- one positive thing about being in quarantine or stay at home order to extend is uh, not having to be in the elements, if you will. So it is nice reprieve from that for the time being. Yeah, you get to take a little break. So the show about things people love. What's the subject today? I know you sent something along. I'm kind of curious what what you want to uh, rap about here today. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a big uh, video game nerd and been doing some retro gaming the past few months here during the quarantine. But uh, uh, the new title for The Last of Us series part two comes out tonight or I guess at midnight tonight. Um, And just being not sure how familiar you are with the series or the concept of it. But the first one came out seven years ago this time, uh, kind of fitting with the time. It's based off of a quarantine measure and an infection that takes over. Uh, It's obviously more dire extreme scenario in this world because uh, it leads to infected in zombies if you will um what series is it it's called the last of us the last of us you know blue i haven't heard of it so i'm excited i get to learn about something so this is yeah the, yeah go ahead absolutely and i was t- t- touching base with a good friend of mine and spoke to him a while last night and he'd actually played the original earlier this year in january before everything kind of went down with what's happened in the, in the world this year and it's just really a, i know you being a playwright and a screenwriter just the, the emotional depth in the story that you go on the journey with these characters is basically a, an older gentleman named Joel, and he takes on this girl uh, with this a father figure role with a girl named Ellie, and the two of them basically are going through different cities and apocalyptic environments and so forth. There's a lot of political things, like I said, the infection takes over, and there's a lot of pain and loss, and it's just a lot. It's just a huge roller coaster wave that you go through this journey and going through scary depths of infected zombies and people that turn on you and so forth. So I just feel like with the, the upcoming release of the, the sequel and just the nature of the game itself and the emotional depth that it takes on, it just was something I really was always fascinated by and figured it'd be a good conversation to kind of dive into. Yeah, I dig it. Um, reminded of Resident Evil and yes. what a big deal that was when it came out. That that game scared the heck out of me when I was a uh-huh. kid. It actually scared me, and I was I was shocked uh, at the at the power of that. Yeah, Res- Resident Evil Four in the series is one of my favorite games, along with The Last of Us, and that was the one I think it took on a, a new way. Obviously, it was an upgrade in graphics, but also the the scary intensity, just being that that tension of just going around corners. The Last of Us does this great too. Of just with with the music and the score, and just being in that environment where you don't you know something's happening, but you still can't predict where it is or what it is. So it's just it's, you're on the edge of your seat, you're on pins and needles. It's it's it is scary as hell, but it's also just it's an amazing experience. So I just yeah, it's yeah. great segue with, with Resident Evil Two. It's just uh, they do very well as far as capturing the moment there. Fascinating. All right, so it, it, this is on PlayStation. It's on PlayStation Four. Um, well, the first one came on PS3, but then they made a remastered version that I played again on the PS4 when it came out there. Uh, but it is a uh, PlayStation exclusive for the time being. All right. And so they're finishing the series. I mean, this is, is it for real or is it a, do you know, well, I suppose maybe you don't know by now, right? But they're saying this is it. We're ending the whole thing. I'm not sure, entirely sure on that. They, for the first one, they, they added some downloadable content um, afterwards. So I'm sure they'll probably do the same for this one as well. I've been kind of trying to stay away. Some little backstory. They, 
they had some kind of controversy and issues with the release. It's actually been delayed a couple of times uh, since it was first announced a few years ago. First, because of the, the coronavirus pandemic. And then they had some issues with I think a developer, someone on the team was releasing information to spoil the game. Oh, no. It's a disgruntled employee. They've had a lot, kind of like uh. some issues as far as hitting deadlines and internal issues and so forth. But as far as the final finale of the series, I, I, I hopefully they would, but I'm not sure. I'm kind of trying to stay away from spoilers and things like that of, of what this part of the story entails. But it, it's been a seven-year gap before the first one. So even if there is another one, I'm sure it'd be an extensive amount of time. It's a very intense process for them making these games they take their their time with it rightfully so so i'm sure there'll be some, some additional downloadable content like they did for the first one to kind of extend the series the game if you will the story mm-hmm. uh, i would like yep. to see a, i always like seeing a trilogy set up so i'm i wouldn't doubt it at some <laughs> point when the ps5 is out and running in a few years um that they'll add a third part of the story but as far as, as of now i think this will be the, the pinnacle of it right and the playstation 5 is going to going to cost bank isn't it i mean i think it's gonna, yeah i just yeah i watched the uh they had a reveal of the first reveal of the actual hardware last week for a sony event uh look really cool kind of looks like a a what do you call it? like a an internet router modem kind of a sense of it, but it's very sleek and very looks really cool i got all the features with it so i'm excited a lot of good friends of mine have already tried to pre-order it and get ready for that i'll probably wait a little bit um until some other games come out but um, it's always cool to see the next generation of hardware and how they push stuff, especially with a series like the last of us always kind of takes advantage, full advantage of that for sure. Right. Yeah. I know people are jazzed about it. I'm not, I'm still on the fence. I, my, I, you know, my consoles are out of date. I have a Wii and, uh, and an nice. old uh, Xbox 360. The Wii holds up. The Wii is fun. Uh, you know, you said you were, you were doing, I mean, we'll come back to the last of us, but you, you said you were into some retro gaming. This doesn't really qualify as that. So what are you, what have you been doing uh, on that, on that front? Cause I actually, I downloaded uh, some some emulators myself, and uh, uh-huh. I have a daughter who happens to be named Ellie. Uh, well, her her, oh, nice. her name is Eleanor, but her her sort of you know nickname or whatever whatever is Ellie, and yeah. um, coincidentally, and uh, I took her through the first uh, three Super Mario games and explained mm-hmm. to her what a big deal that was. <laughs> for yep. us it was really nostalgic and fun i you know i have these old uh or the these uh snes style uh remotes that are the usb remotes so mm-hmm. i'm i'm doing it too yeah but what what have you been playing yeah so the super nintendo speaking of is my favorite console of all time i'm actually looking at it right here to my right here i started doing some speed running of the donkey kong country series on the super nintendo i'm not sure how familiar you are that with that that was a great game when that came out yeah. it was so cool they are it it They've kind of changed my life in a lot of sense of ways. They, they, being a graphic designer for my clothing line, there's a lot of inspiration there. Uh, the soundtracks are just in, absolutely incredible. I, always, I highly recommend. David Weiss is the composer of the, tri- the original trilogy soundtrack. Just an incredible musician and just beautiful atmospheric, instrumental. Things just puts you just the perfect vibe for each level in the gameplay. It's just, can you describe? Just as yeah. an artist in di- many different ways, that series just is had a profound impact on my life in so many aspects. So, <laughs> All right. Yeah, I feel at that. At the very least. I've gone back and, and played games that I loved when I was a kid. I, I busted out the old uh, Pirates game where yep. you, you bop around the Caribbean and, and you're mm-hmm. a pirate, and that was so much fun. Uh, now with an, you know, with an adult eye, I kind of can tell, oh, this is clearly a port from – this is clearly an old DOS game or whatnot that was right. ported – uh, and, and yeah, as a kid, I, I knew, but I didn't know. And now it's sort of fun to kind of uh, see it with, with that kind of clarity. Um, I might mm-hmm. bust out the Donkey Kong, uh, uh, one of the, one of those games. I remember that. I remember Earthworm Jim too. That was a big yep. deal when that was, was yep. that on the, uh, that was on, uh, Sega, wasn't it? I think they had them on both Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis, I believe. Yeah. They had yeah. Earthworm Jim one and two, I think were the two, the two 2D, 2D platform games, if I, yeah, my serves right. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, yeah, we yeah we I'm sure we could go on and on. So that's oh, really yeah. cool. I've, I've got my little my desk drawer because I got all my cartridges here. I've got the DKs, all right, Black King, Super Mario World, All Stars, all kind of list because that's part of my list of games I'm going to play after the DKC series. So. And you're, you're playing it right on the console. Yeah, I've got it hooked up with my Elgato, my my capture card, and then through OBS, uh-huh. uh, yeah, broadcast software. So I've just been I'm. Um, Trying to get a, a good personal best on the second one here. I've been playing for the last six weeks. I, I did the first one prior to that. Um, and I'm going to take a nice pause with Last of Us to give myself a reprieve from uh, stressing and trying to get optimizing the times and kind of making it 
so intense, but it, it's it's a nice little competitive thing in me you know, just to kind of try to see how well I can do with the game. And uh, it's a really cool community with the speed running. I was going to uh, say, are you, do you well. stream this? Where can people find that? I do, yeah. It's uh, on the platform Mixer. Uh, it's a newer platform. Twitch is the is the bigger one, of mm-hmm. course, and more well-known. But I've, I've been fond of the the aesthetics of Mixer. So it's Mixer.com and my slash Tay Rule. It's a T-A-Y-R-O-O-L. Uh, it's a play on the King K. Rule as the main villain from the series. So I kind of play to my name, and you can spell Taylor. If you mix the letters up a little bit, kind of quirky. So you dip or in, just, and then you get an audience, and people are watching you speed run these games. Yep. Yeah. I've, uh, the other night, I had about ten to fifteen people watching at one point. A guy that just followed um, hosted me, so he, he his viewers were able to watch what I was playing, which was kind of cool. It was kind of the biggest little mini. I just just started a couple months ago, so I'm kind of still getting my feet wet with it and getting a, an audience there. But it's really cool to have the support and just kind of get that nostalgia, like you're saying, but just kind of seeing how well I can strategize and optimize the game. It's really crazy if you watch some of these top speed runners how they can pull off these glitches and certain tricks to what you, they call like frame perfect things where you kind of hit certain things at certain times to get through levels faster basically so it's a very fascinating subculture nomenclature of, a, of the world <laughs> of old, these old games but I, I absolutely love it and it's just a, a really cool community to be a part of yeah there is a sort of psych- uh, psychological thing here where uh, when i was a kid you you know i don't know if you felt the same way but there was this idea that the next console was going to have the next game and the next game was going to be greater than the previous mm-hmm. great game but it's not right. true uh there, there there hasn't really been a better album than sergeant pepper and the the format changes but whatever you feel about the beatles the point mm-hmm. the point stands that some of these, these old games are perfect or as near perfect yeah. as a game will ever be. The, the, the mixture of the console and the, the look, the feel, the music, everything was perfect. Um, yeah. And what a wonderful thing to go back into that catalog. And now they're all more or less free. You can go – you mentioned um, – uh, oh, no. I think you mentioned a different piece of software. But anybody can go online. Anybody with a – a laptop, a, you know, with a computer, you can go online, download a free emulator, and right. it's easy to get the entire NES catalog in one zip file. You just go online, make sure you go to a legit site so you don't end up with some spamware or whatever on your on your computer. Mm-hmm. But yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like I always remember, like after the Super Nintendo when when the N sixty four came out and looking towards the next Mario, and that was the first phase of going from two D to three D. And yep. Looking back at it now, a lot of those games don't really hold up personally as well, just because it's very pixelated and it's the first, really, the learning curve of, of that transition into 3D gameplay. But personally, just with the Super Nintendo, I just love the way those games go. Super Metroid's another one that oh, I have a infatuation yeah. with, and it's one of the top speedrunning games out there, uh, along with DKs and Zelda and so forth and Mario's. But uh, just like that era of gaming, it just was permanent, and it's... I get conflicted when I hear reports and things, see like a lot of remakes and so forth of certain games from there. And like you mentioned, I think some of these games you, you just kind of leave alone. You don't need to touch them. Like they're, they're they're masterpieces in their own right and so forth. So it's nice to kind of revisit them, but I, I like just playing them as they are from their original format and kind of just seeing where it takes me there as far as whether it's speedrunning or just kind of diving into it from another time. So I've got my SNES remotes right here. Uh, yeah. I was, yeah. Uh, I got I, one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I bought some also. Um, I have a Nintendo Switch too, so I, I bought the like the finally got a hold of some of the Bluetooth ones that were that were like back ordered and out of stock for so long because I play. They have some online games, um, a smaller library for the NES and the Super Nintendo on on the their online service. So it's cool to have like the retro meetup with the new age stuff with Bluetooth and being able to kind of just access those games right away. Um, it's just a nice cool little feature especially like on the go for their platform i bet right now well there must be speed running competitions right and they're they happening online or yeah, yeah there's one there's one um comes i think it's like all game uh, games done quick uh, gdq i can't always forget the acronym but that's one that they do a lot of um charity streams for for a lot of organizations which is cool uh, so i try to implement that when i'm doing uh streaming and from other creative things as well try to help give back and kind of just build a community there but they, they definitely do have a lot of um different type of like competitions and mm-hmm. tournaments if mm-hmm. you will to see how they how fast they can do the game and so forth do you remember uh, you know as, as a kid the idea that playing video games and being versed in video games was a waste of time you were wasting your time and now it's an industry that's <laughs> larger than film makes yeah it's it, a yeah. it, it's an interesting juxtaposition for sure uh, i mean 
I always grew up like so be going outside and riding bikes and doing all kinds of things outside. But it was, it was, I think, just a very therapeutic thing, at least then and even now playing video games just takes me back. But it also is just a nice safe haven. So to a degree, yeah, I agree. It's, it was a certain point like or there was a stigma to it. You're wasting time. You're being in front of screens so more than so much. And now it's uh, taken on a whole different life with the esports community and the speed running and so many different facets of video games in so many different ways and podcasts and everything about it. It's just taken on a whole, like you said, an entire different industry. So it is fascinating to see the development and how it's kind of transitioned as we move through the digital age and how technology has advanced and so forth. So I'm glad to see that it's um, being more appreciated and not seen more as like a negative waste of time thing. Cause there's a lot of great benefits to video games, especially right now in a time where most people aren't really together it's a really good way for me personally to stay, stay in touch with friends and still kind of be in touch and have a way to still interact and do things together. So I like the way that it's bridged together that way and it's kind of not not seen as much as a in a negative light. Yeah, it's about that balance, isn't it? You right. You're exactly. we are in this crazy time where children are not in school; they're being asked to do Zoom meetings uh, all day. Maybe after that, a bike ride is probably appropriate. Uh, mm-hmm. you have to be able to kind of mix it up and not, uh, live entirely in these screens. It's a, it can right. be a little alarming and, and addictive. Uh, mm-hmm. and so, especially when you add the, um, the online social element to it, it's easy to just spend 12, 14 hours a day, uh, in front of a terminal. And we yeah. know that's not good for development. Uh, Absolutely. but games are at least, at least games feedback. At least you're not just binge watching friends, on an infinite loop <laughs> or the office or one of the ongoing series. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, the office is great. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. Yeah. Not so much sure about friends. You know, they love friends in the UK. They think that friends is the bee's knees over there. <laughs> it's just, funny. Like when yeah. I, I did, I was studied abroad when I was in college. It was almost I guess, nine years ago now when I was in 2011, summer 2011 and uh, going to pubs and stuff with friends and they would listen to music from the, from the U S and it was always like three or four years behind it seemed like what was popular here at the time. So I remember that there was black IPs and other things were like really popular, which were here three or four years before. So it's just funny how it's seeing the, the, like the culture changes, but also just the, the things that they enjoy from America and what we like vice versa. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I've always, uh, I've always had a, an, an affection for, for London and for the UK. And yep. uh, yeah, I don't know if you, have you been over there? Yeah. So I was, Mainly in London for that study abroad program. It was about six weeks. Um, I was I studied sport management here at UT, so it was a cool program. It was a joint program with us at UT and Florida State. So we did like uh, a lot of different sports, oh, oh, venues right. and things. So yeah, right. we went to like the uh, Wimbledon for a day or two. Okay, that's time. beautiful out there. Um, yeah, the first day of the the British Open, the golf tournament. Um, so. For one of the first or one of the last stages of the Tour de France, we went to Paris for a few days as well. Um, so it was a very, very grateful, awesome experience to meet a lot of people and see different cultures and different countries and to see a lot of these iconic uh, sporting venues and a lot of things I've seen so, yeah. so much on TV. To be a part of that to a degree was really, really cool and a great experience. Were the FSU kids all party animals? <laughs> uh, to a degree, yeah. I mean, we held our own as UTI. We were actually outnumbered. It was only about, I think, Maybe like 30, 40 people roughly, I want to say, and only, maybe 10 at most were from from Austin, from UT. So um, we, we definitely, <laughs> being early 20s, uh, oh, yeah. lives ago, we definitely took advantage of the weekends and going out to the pubs and having a good time. Um, so we, but we held our own with the uh, Florida State kids. Yeah, I really uh, appreciate the fact that you're into retro gaming and talking about that. What, one of the things I say is, that um, uh, pinball is the vinyl of gaming. Yep. <laughs> and I love pinball. We actually have a couple of machines in, in our building here. And that's awesome. Yeah. There's a place in St. Paul. If you're ever up this way, it's called can can wonderland. And it is a, okay. like it's, it's kids friendly, but it's also adults friendly. There's a, you know, they have a bar, but they also do milkshakes and they nice. have like this killer's row of seriously old school, uh, carnival games, arcade style carnival games, but like from the twenties and oh, wow. half of them don't work. Right. <laughs> but the <laughs> ones that do, uh, it's just tremendous. And then they also have a, a proper 
18 hole putt putt golf course, but it's a, it's like if David Lynch and Tom Waits got together and designed a putt putt golf course with a bunch of, you know, hipsters. Yeah. And it's really, really fun. So if you, it's a, kind of a very Austin thing. I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they had, you know, ended up with a sister, uh, can can wonderland in Austin one day. That would not surprise me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Spe- we actually do have a place called Pinballs, spelled with a Z. Yeah. Uh, and they, they just expanded one the last couple of years closer to me, uh, up in North Austin where I'm at. They have a s- more central location, but also to your point with that one in, in Minnesota, they have a, it's a, Pinball is out in the, it's like Buda, it's like kind of like south, almost like 30, 45 minutes south of, of Austin, but it's actually like a, a bigger spread out one, kind of like that that one you mentioned there. So um, different vibes in a sense, but it's same setup. They have like old school pinball machines throughout, some new age things and a, and a bar with a little restaurant as well inside. So the whole kind of setup. Yeah. Uh, that's the, that stuff's just it. the best. It's uh, yeah. really what is better than... Uh, yeah, there's a, there's another place in in uh, Minneapolis here called Updown, and it's got there's a Prince oh, nice. Prince mural the whole nine yards. Oh, yeah. I can't wait for things to get back to whatever the the normal is going to look like here now, so we can go out and enjoy these things. Uh, but for the me- you know for the meantime, we've got our emulators and we've got uh, The Last of Us. So tell mm-hmm. me about like, how did this game hook you? When did you first start playing? What you know? What about it? You know, I mean, you mentioned a few things, but let's go a little more a uh, uh, little deeper into it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I bought it on launch. It came out June 2013. It's like seven years ago now. Um, the developer Naughty Dog, um, they actually developed uh, the original Crash Bandicoot games way back in the day on the original PlayStation. So I, I had a familiarity with them. And they also, um, their next series after that, before Last of Us, was um, Uncharted, which has had about four games to it. Action adventure, treasure hunting game uh, series, if you will. I believe they're in the process of making it into a movie, if I'm not mistaken as well for uncharted. So I was kind of familiar with their previous work and was doing a lot of research. A lot of my best friends, a game developer in Dallas and a lot of the friends were just hyping and talking about this. You got to check out this game, man. It's, it's going to be great. It's amazing. Um, so I got it on launch and just dove into it. Um, it opens up with a prologue, kind of maybe spoil at this point. It's been seven years, but (laughs) it it starts out, um, in the suburbs of Austin. You know, it was kind of cool. Like, sure, sure, yeah. So it, it hooked me out there right playing. I'm like, okay, cool. It's it's basically I'm playing like in my hometown here. And uh, again, like the, the main character, Joel, him and his brother, Tommy, have to escape because the outbreak and the infection is happening very quickly. Uh, so Joel takes his daughter, Sarah, and his bro- goes brother, brother Tommy, and they escape because an infected person enters their home. So they have to break off him, get in the car, drive it, and they go into town. It's in flames and fire, and people are going crazy. And uh, they eventually get to like a grassy area, grassy knoll, like outside the city. Um, and unfortunately, uh, some, shol- some soldiers that are trying to maintain peace or doing what they do um, mistake them for infected people. Um, and shots are fired. And unfortunately, his 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 daughter that's with him dies and gets shot. Um, and the screen goes black. Says the Last of Us, and the game begins. I'm like, holy crap! Like that's that's what we're gonna deal with here. So. Right from the get-go, I knew it was going to be heavy and intense and emotional things, but just that 15-minute prologue leading into town, going, I've seen I-35 uh, on the side <laughs> of Austin and, wow, and all, right. all the way yeah. to Minnesota as well, um, and just kind of hit with that right away. It's just like, okay, we're in for a doozy here. This is going to be intense and insane, and there's going to be a lot of emotional depth, and you're going to go through a lot of different waves here. So um, I, I knew right away was, I was going to enjoy every every ounce of it and just just savoring every moment and just going around corners and trying to make sure you're, you're stealthy and not getting spotted by these infected or the militia that are after you and so forth so so many different subplots and storylines it's it's heavy man but it uh it, it was it was one that was worth diving into and i was thankful that i did and i'm i'm sure the second one will be uh no shortage of that are there gameplay features that you feel are were revolutionary i'm reading here that and this isn't necessarily revolutionary, but in terms of narrative storytelling and what video games are capable of doing, I see that you play the the hero, but then you also play the the girl, who I'm sure is mm-hmm. heroic herself, and you you alternate between the two as part of the yep. story. That I think that's yeah. fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was like about halfway through the game, they have a certain chapter dedicated just to Ellie because they her and Joel get separated at some point. 
and you had to take over from her perspective. And so it's really fascinating because you start, you're about halfway through, you got a good feel with Joel, his aesthetics, how he, how he moves, operates his weapon set and his skill set. And then you had to basically start from scratch with Ellie, who's a younger child and has nothing and can't really operate the weapons and so forth that, that Joel has. So it's really cool to her be able to, to collect him. I think you you start like in a forest and she has to kill a deer to to feed herself because she's by herself, and then it develops further down the story from there. But I love the yeah the concept of of dual characters. It's something that I hope the Zelda series eventually takes on. It's a big I'm a big fan of that as well. Um, that they implement her to have the not just the male female dynamic, but the the dual characters. Um, and to be able to do that here. So in, in a way, yeah, it was really revolutionary to have. I mean, many games before have had d- double dual characters that you played with, but with that dynamic of like a father daughter type of relationship that they form, and then to jump into her perspective was really cool and something I never experienced before. Very cool. It reminds me of the road a bit. I'm sure it was probably mm-hmm. inspired in part by that. Yeah, I believe that was some inspiration um, behind the backstory of that and, and the development of the game for sure. That's a uh, very difficult novel to read. It is pretty mm. pretty terrifying, and yeah. <laughs> he's he's great. There's nobody like Cormac, Cormac McCarthy, tremendous. Uh, and you have that that thing where this is almost like ancient narrative conceit, uh, telling the story through the eyes of multiple characters, mm-hmm. uh, or maybe it's a little more modern, frankly. But any in any event, it, it feels like a storytelling trope that's as old as time and now you see it in in this new relatively new uh medium it's just a matter of time until the oscars are are seen as uh tired and old and it's going to be it's replaced by or it might consume the video game industry but i doubt it i think that there will be something akin to the oscars for 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 gaming um and i i'm sure there already are award ceremonies and things but i mean so mainline that it takes over the the old form, uh, or at least sits mm-hmm. next to it. Uh, yeah, they have like the game awards. Speaking of that, it's kind of mainstream, so I'm not a huge fan of those games. But it it is cool to see that they have their own ceremonies akin to, like you said, to the Oscars or the Grammys or other kind of big award shows for for creative mediums yeah. as video games. So it's cool to yeah. see that they have their own platform for that now and how they're developing. It. And they obviously. Have Big conventions like E3, unfortunately, was canceled this year, which would have been taking place this week, which is like the the main Christmas of video games. That's the big headline middle of the year event when they showcase a lot of different games. And um, to the movie aspect, it's a lot of video games have been advanced and so forth have, have that aesthetic that they are so real. Like it look, it's it feels like a movie. The Last of Us definitely feels like a movie. It's it, it takes you, it grabs your attention. Your you, the emotions are so high, you feel like you're right there next to Joel and Ellie throughout this crazy adventure. So um, I'm definitely excited to see how, if there's some more blending with the arts and music, so forth, the, the video games still have their own platforms here, but it, they definitely have taken uh, the leap and they're in the same conversation now. Oh, for sure. It's, to it. Yeah. It's all about the, uh, all about the money. At the end of the day, yep. you got to pay mm-hmm. attention to it. And uh, as no an industry, it surpassed uh, film in, uh, I think it was about 10 years ago or even long, uh, further, farther back, mm-hmm. 10, 15 years ago. Uh, and people are making careers writing for these things. It's a, it's a whole world. You can, you can tap into it. It's, sim- it's similar to the way that comics uh, mm-hmm. went so mainstream and took over Hollywood. Comics used to be, again, considered a waste of time, considered to be a little dirty, a little underground. Mm-hmm. And now look at, now look at it. Oh, it's a billion dollars. I mean, the, yeah. the Avengers and the DC universe, and this is a great analogy there for sure. Because I think it was, I think X Men was the first one in two thousand, uh, but then it was really I guess Spider Man after nine eleven, and that kind of took off. And there were there were a few in the nineties that were still kind of down and dirty, right? You had the Crow, you had Blade, yeah, you had that er, that kind of first wave that was for nerds and for kind of hardcore people. Yeah, and then the Matrix. The Matrix felt like a comic book, and that was a breakthrough, I think. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, it makes me wonder. I mean, I think if you were a um, an analyst and you were trying to predict the the twenty year thing in front of us now, that'd be an interesting mental experiment to sit and to think. What's our What's our comic book now? What's our? 
And I don't know. It, it could be something like TikTok. It could be something I don't even know about because I'm an old man, <laughs> closer yeah. to 40 than 30. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, so that's fun. So I'm looking at the uh, the game here. And so is there a lot of voiceover? You know, Joel has a voice. Ellie has a voice. They're, they're, they're really fleshed out characters. That must be interesting. Have they have they maintained continuity throughout the same actors and all the rest? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think Troy Baker is the name of the voice actor for um, for Joel. I'm not sure on, on Ellie off the top of my head. But I know he Troy Baker has done a lot of big roles for other different games and other series as well. But I believe that the main cast is there, and it's uh, it's cool to see because Troy, but he seems like a really younger guy. Just it's when I see like his picture and read up on him, just it's really cool to see how he takes on this grizzled old veteran, yeah. if you will, of uh, Joel in the sense where he's been lost his daughter and just through all this stuff, and um, just kind of shows that this awesome talent and the continuity they have with the voice cast, uh, voice cast for these games. So it it definitely takes on a role of themselves and. Uh, it's, it's really cool to see they all return and are able to add a second hey, part of the journey. It's good work if you can get it. I've oh, done yeah, a bit of it. Fun. And uh, I wonder where they're doing it. They're probably in L.A., I would guess. Or maybe – where is this studio? I, I think they are in California. L.A., I think, is where they're located, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, I know it's from around there. But, right. uh, yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's fun. How's the multiplayer on this? So I, I haven't really done much of the multiplayer. I did a little bit briefly on the first game. Uh, I think it was kind of just a, it's a third person kind of game. So you're over the shoulder kind of, uh, I think it's kind of not the sense of a call of duty, but kind of just a s- simple um, fighting aspect, but I didn't dive too much into it. I was just so invested in the single player campaign that it was just like my main thing that I invested all my time in. But um, I did really, it was really cool to see that they added a multiplayer aspect to this game. Um, Cause it was something that I wasn't really expecting, but um, I, I don't think, I want to say the second one doesn't have any multiplayer. I could be mistaken, but um, I haven't really done as much research on that as far as single player goes. But um, what does it, it is, uh, what does it take to play through it? How many hours roughly? Uh, for the campaign, um, I mean, it just it kind of depends, really. But I would say probably the first one took me about uh, between probably fifteen to twenty hours, maybe a little bit more here and there. Um, I do like take my time, and I'm an OCD guy. I like to collect everything, so if the that campaign can be a little longer than the average goes. Um, so, and it's just a way to kind of just savor it a little bit too, especially for the first time um, going through. I usually play it two or three times afterwards. They usually have like a, a new game plus after you um, unlock the first time or different difficulties. And you know, on PlayStation, they have the achievement or not achievements, but uh, trophies. So to be able to collect all those, you have to go through certain little areas to get certain collectibles and beat the game a few times. So, but I'd say the first run's about 15, 20 hours on average. Wow, it it really received great reviews. You you know you sold me. We're, we're halfway through this episode, but you you sold me. <laughs> and now I'm gonna. So this is gonna sound really basic, but PS5, you're gonna be able to play all the other the you know the previous um, console versions, right? You can stick the disc in and play the the old games, correct? I believe yeah, they do have back full backwards compatibility for yeah. the previous generation there. So I think that should happen. They they did release it both a uh, a disc version and also a, a discless uh, all digital version of the PS5. So there'll be two different versions since um, with just being able to just do digital purchase only. I'm sure there'll be a price difference on that. But nonetheless, yeah, I think backwards compatibility is full, which is good because I had some issues trying to play some PS3 games on my PS4 a few years back and was just shocked and surprised. Like it didn't work. I thought like, was my disc broken or something? But then I was doing research and for whatever reason, certain games weren't backwards compatible. So I think mm-hmm. they've addressed that issue and I'm not mistaken. Everything's going to be backwards compatible from the previous one, which is a smart thing to do. Um, Cause for me personally, I, I usually wait about a year or so roughly to buy a new console. There's only been a few handful of, uh, I think the Switch and the Wii actually for the Nintendo were like one of the few consoles I bought like on launch. Although otherwise, I've always bought things about a year or two later. Yeah, you can tend to get it for a few hundred dollars less now, and mm-hmm. yeah, you kind of wait for it to shake out, see what the great games are, all the rest of us, all the rest of it. I'm amazed at the numbers here. They're saying uh, the game has uh, had sold over 20 million units by October of 2019. 20 That's- million. The, for the original Last of Us, or yeah, for the original, yeah, hmm. yep. unreal. It's, uh, it's it's a great game, man, in so many different ways, and it just it it encapsulates just like the perfect art of storytelling, 
in so many ways, along with all the emotions and just the gameplay and just how intense it is. It's like, yeah, I could rant on about it. That's why I'm so excited for tonight once the <laughs> launches at midnight or whatever time it happens. Oh, is it launches at midnight today? I think it'll be, I guess, 12 Eastern. I got to double check the time, actually. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll be on that later tonight and make sure it's give myself enough time to, for let it download. It could take a little while. So All make right. sure it uh, gets ready to go. And I, I'll probably stream it as well just to have a pause from the retro stuff too. So definitely going to be an exciting experience to say the least. That's great. It feels like a, a big album launch. Your band yeah. just put out, like I remember when Nine Inch Nails put out the follow-up to the Downward Spiral and we mm. waited in line. The, the local newspaper took pictures of us. We were the, you know, the, the freaks waiting in line for this new album <laughs> in uh, little North, North Dakota. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, Trent Reznor is a, a big inspiration for me too, man. Pretty Hate Machines, his, that, the debut album is still one of my favorites. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Was he, great too, of course. he still comes uh, out with uh, Head Like a Hole. He, that's what he opens with usually. Yep. Yeah. He yeah. did a lot of stuff with David Finch, right? As far as soundtracks go for his movies. Yeah. David, David Fincher. Yeah. He, uh, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. He did the, the first soundtrack that he did with uh, Atticus Ross, I think is his partner's yep. name now. And he's yeah, officially yeah. the other part of Nine Inch Nails now. Their first soundtrack was The Social Network, and they won an Oscar for their first yep. outing. <laughs> I remember that. It was insane. Yeah, I like, mean, come on. It, it, yeah. Everybody who's followed him for, for years, uh, like like I have and you have, it sounds like, mm-hmm. uh, knows he's a genius. He's, he's, a, he's a Bowie-level genius and uh just brilliant and the whole aesthetic of that band uh such as it is 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 incredible and um didn't didn't see him on the uh the downward spiral tour i was a little too young and mm. uh i would have loved to have seen him with bowie because bowie came on tour with him and oh yeah uh, that's I'm, that's that's probably a beatle experience i missed out unfortunately some friends i think about six years ago they they played with uh well, there's two different tours. They play with Jane's Addiction, and there's the Ninja Tour, they called it, and I and, and I just nailed and Jane's Addiction for the acronym there, and then I missed that one, unfortunately, and then they played with Soundgarden, which is a big band of mine. Yeah, um, yeah. I saw them a year before, thankfully, yeah. you know, obviously Chris, uh past few years ago with mm-hmm. them, and just, just heartbreaking. Yeah, that's uh, tough. So just try to make sure I, I see these acts come through, um, and it'll be interesting how this develops post uh, the COVID-19 world, how concerts and things festivals are going to come back but yeah because uh, I, I i bought tickets with a friend of mine to go see um rage against the machines tour back in march or was supposed to be their first tour in almost a decade and of course that was postponed until next year so it will be fascinating to see where that goes if that still happens or not or what capacity yeah same with uh stand-up comedy i'm a big stand-up comedy mm-hmm. guy and i had tickets to see tim Dillon at his his big uh kind of homecoming he was doing a, a long weekend or a week at caroline's in new york city uh, he's mm. a new york comic from long island does these great sketches if you don't know his stuff he's mm. absolutely hilarious check him out tim dylan he uh no, he, absolutely he do you know him? have you have you have you heard of him uh, the name sounds familiar, but yeah. I'm not familiar with his work. Though. Well, no, he just he does these sketches that are like where he for at one point I saw him um, at the comedy store and he was the funniest person the night I saw him and he wasn't even headlining it, but uh, you know he featured or whatever it is and yeah. he said uh, and this was right after the Epstein thing went down and he said he was going to dress up as Jeffrey Epstein's sex temple for Halloween. <laughs> and and then a, and then three days later, I saw it, and he actually did it. He dressed up as as Epstein's temple and walked around L.A. and harassed people. And it's just, I mean, of two minutes of just some of the most hilarious stuff. He's an inspiration to me because um, this is a little tangential, but uh, he's an inspiration to me because he he's out there saying you have no excuse uh, if you're a creative. And you think it, that your your stuff is great? You, at this point, you don't have an excuse. You can the channels are there, the yep. audiences are hungry for content. You just have to find a way to cross that transom and connect with people. And yep. obviously, there's a, there's a certain confluence of of luck. Uh, but boy, if you don't have the talent, luck's never going to land on your shoulder. And, mm-hmm. uh, he's just so fun to watch because he's free. He, his Patreon, I don't know what the number is, but he, he doesn't ever have to really worry. Uh, and that just gives him so much freedom to, to go as far out as he, as he can. And we need that right now so, so badly. Yeah. We need that, 
that town crier who's willing to call it like he sees it and who's yep. who's not you know not 60 years old and, and some sort of like elder statesman of comedy but who's younger younger than I am by a few years and yeah. had, but has already lived a heck of a lot anyway I'm I'm, I'm holding forth now but big fan no. of check out Tim Dillon yeah you're good. Um, I'll definitely check him out, man. That's a great recommendation. I, I'm a huge fan. He's older statesman now, but uh, Dave Chappelle. Oh yeah, one please. Of the, the Kings and yep. Uh, listen to his. He had a, a kind of a improv kind of gig about a week or so ago, and did all the social distancing and had everything all the setup, and still did because he like, was outside of Ohio where he lives. And yep, talked about the George Floyd thing and just kind of went off for about 25, 30 minutes. And uh, you know, I've grew up watching Chappelle's show. Watched, I've seen him live a couple times, and uh, just. Like that freedom, just be able to, to do it as you please, but then, you know, to kind of become a, be like a philosopher in a lot of ways, but even more of a comedian. Yeah. Uh, there's yeah. just a lot of truth and, 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 and funniness and it's two things he says, but it's a lot of truth that comes through as well in, in real life current events. So, um, it's just really cool to see a lot of these big time people and comedians have that platform to kind of speak their mind and, um, not be afraid to, to cross the line, which a lot of comedians can do for certain things, but it, uh, brings a lot of people together in a lot of ways that's what's the beautiful thing about creative things like this absolutely or even sports trying to come back it's 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 cool to have that unity there and bring all people from all different plights and everywhere else yeah for just about an hour or two whatever it may be so very few things are going to bring us back to quote-unquote normal like sports ball when sports mm-hmm. ball comes back i don't care what it is the nba if baseball yep. plays a mini season hockey comes back for just a playoff season it will revitalize people and bring people together. And I know a lot of people are, are anti-sports. They're not into it. And that's part yeah. of their personality. And I don't grudge that because I, I used to be that way until I got a little more free time on my hands after college and mm. looked up and around me and tried to figure out, why is everybody so into this game, this baseball? <laughs> what is the deal here? And then you figure it out. And uh, the way I got into it was through the Minnesota Twins, uh, Burt uh, Bert Blylevin, uh, he's okay. a Hall of Fame pitcher. I think he's in the Hall of Fame now. And yeah, he was yeah. on uh, one or both of their uh, World Series teams. And he's nice. just hilarious. And but, but but he's a pitcher. And so he would call the game from the perspective of a pitcher and give, give right. you all these insights into it. And if you if you can't fall in love with baseball through the pitching, then you won't fall in love with baseball. Because right. if you get into the pitching, then you're going to be there for every at bat. We'll figure, try mm-hmm. to figure out what's going on. I don't have to preach to you. You have a you have a sports podcast, right? Yeah, it's uh, Nuts and Bolts Sports is the name of the company. I've been with them a few years now. I'm a big NBA guy. Uh, the Hart Lakers fan of 20 years. Uh, so Kobe passing this uh, year was pretty tough diving that. And um, yeah, so I'm, I'm hopeful that they've come back there. I know they're in the Disney World bubble. They're trying to get set up down there. Um, so we'll see how that all entails. There's a lot of obstacles and hurdles to come through there. But, uh, yeah, it's funny you mentioned sports ball, too, because a lot of friends that just don't care about sports at all. But um, I had a lot of people kind of come over the years to kind of understand, you know, the, what what it's all about. And like with video games, man, it's just uh, sports have always been a therapeutic thing for me yeah. growing up. Like it helped me get through my parents' divorce, mm-hmm. like really terrible romantic relationships and ending there and toxicity <laughs> there. And sure. my brother and I watched Kobe's, Kobe's last game a month after our, my dad passed. And um, it's just it just uh sports is like the biggest metaphor that i think kobe mentioned in one of his one of his quotes and it's always remembered that it's, it's best, best sports is the best met- metaphor for life in a sense um it's always important to remember that so um we'll definitely definitely excited to kind of see where it all comes throughout the rest of this year and how it's going to look i mean it's going to be mostly no fans and a very uh, uh skeleton crew i guess it'll be a bare bones feature it's not going to be the same obviously as before but um, hopefully it can be a beacon of hope and to help people and get, you have the voices of a lot of these big time athletes to kind of help bring towards change and things that are going on right now. Yeah, so yeah, uh, it's definitely exciting to it, see some developments there. It's about watching human excellence, watching people who are excellent at something at a level that very yeah. few will ever reach identifying with them through your, through your team or even just through the love of the sport, the history of the sport, all of right. it. And just being reminded that you can strive for something that's great and that mm-hmm. there, there are real stakes, uh, involved. You want to be, you want to be the greatest. You want to help your teammates, all of it, all of it. Yep. It's, yeah. It is a nice, uh, there, there's a, a lot of poetry to be found in it. Um, 
And, you know, if you're not into it, that's all right. You, there yeah. are other, other things are similar, right? You're reading a great novel and just being reminded, wow, this is, a, this is what an achievement, uh, you know, Cormac uh, made with Blood Meridian or what have you. Or mm-hmm. you, you love a video game. And then it's, it's like you're reading the Wikipedia here. I'm, I'm looking at the Wikipedia for The Last of Us and it's, these people are like heroes, the people who yep. produced and created the game and it's just incredible. And they're clearly uh, getting, getting paid handsomely for their work. And, you know, here you are on a, on a little podcast, uh, talking about this release at midnight. I just think that's, that's tremendous. So I, I gotta ask you, uh, <laughs> there, there has to be a bit of an eerie quality to, downloading this game at midnight i don't know how it is in austin but there's a spookiness to this year that is going to leave leave us all traumatized we're going to all going to have to work through the, the trauma of what 2020 is mm-hmm. even just the, just thus far and we're not yeah. even through it i think we're still in the weeds so i think it's interesting that you're downloading this game that you're really emotionally invested into when you're going to dip into a an apocalyptic world that maybe is a few notches uh, you know not as far away as it uh, you know as you would have thought right <laughs> you know what i mean so what's yeah, that's, the it's the eerie irony and creepiness to it. That's why I think it's so much intriguing. That's why I wanted to use it as the main topic of a springboard today, uh, not just because of my love and infatuation for the storytelling and the, the environment of it, but how this is what a world could look like in a sense. Now, granted, it's a more extreme measures of, of zombies infected and so forth that I don't ever really seen happening per se, you know, knock on wood, of course, but um <laughs> it uh it's yeah it, it just kind of speaks to the culture and how the excitement of it just of having people have something to look forward to and i i just love playing these creepy games at night too because it just adds to the the intensity of the whole environment and, and the, the nature of the game and the story so it's uh it's, it's one of a kind man i'm, I'm glad it's finally happening <laughs> what's your setup like you got a big flat screen and you dim the lights and <laughs> What is well, it? I, I've got yeah. my PC set up a little desk in my room. Got like tight corners, and I have my my Super Nintendo here, and my Switch and uh, PS4 over there. So I'm probably gonna do some rearranging to get it set up through my PC so I can stream it. Uh, uh, I'm doing right. like on a 27 inch, just like kind of the best setup for PC and stuff. But I do have my big screen one um, for other gaming and watching TV and so forth. So I'm kind of debating to see what the best setup is there. I have a larger like a 42 inch screen there, but um, I may get some better quality on this smaller screen here. So at least All with right. the stream. All right. So okay. Probably the route I'll go. And this is going to be around midnight tonight. Yeah. I'll double check the time. I think uh, usually they do things midnight Eastern. So it'll be 11 o'clock here. So I'll get an hour earlier. All right. Uh, All right. And I'll this probably, is, yeah. Pitch the channel again. Yeah. It's a uh, mixer.com slash Tay rule. T A Y R O O L. And I'll, this would be the first time doing because, like I said, I'm mainly just doing my my Donkey Kong Country speedrunning there. So it'd be a nice change of pace for a new age game and uh, something more modern and more emotional investment there. So it's definitely exciting. Jeez, they're they're talking about a TV adaptation. It's in the planning yep. stages think, with HBO. Yeah, I think it's yeah. HBO series, I believe. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Hmm. What a strange world, right? You can be a screenwriter and and never have anything happen, or you can be a video game producer and then you're you know you get that's your way into hollywood now wild yeah. it's just yeah. yep i had a buddy of mine that helps with my like copyright trademark stuff that i for my uh my clothing line a few years ago but he he just got uh passed the bar at baylor law school and he's in focusing on esports law which i thought was never a thing that you could possibly <laughs> do and it's just the same thing like you were saying it's just yeah. so it's just so crazy that and he's going out to la with before obviously uh, the pandemic going to conventions and Networking and just being part of that world is just so something I could never, never imagine. So it's esports law is something you can specialize in at yeah. Baylor. What? Well, I don't know if it's like the specifically there, but yeah, right. he's, he's like in entertainment. Too. He used to work for uh, yeah. Blizzard here in Austin and gotcha. you know, Warcraft and all that good stuff. So um, he was kind of planting the seeds as we we're going to college, and then he wanted to go to law school and. And focus on that. So it's yeah, like, yeah, go for it, man. That's awesome. I'm happy for that. You, that's that's a thing, you know. Yeah, incredible. Oh man, yeah. you remember when Warcraft came out and how many people vanished into their basements for for two years? <laughs> <laughs> that's where the South Park episode, I think, it really uh, brings to light. I don't know if you ever saw that or familiar with the, <laughs> that episode of that world of South Park, but uh, yeah, yeah, I never really dove into to WoW too much, man. I, my best friend has the Horde tattoo. He was hardcore into it. Um, my brother tried to recently, but it, 
I just I couldn't do the MMO games. Just like a lot, a lot of friends play Dota too. I'm not sure you're familiar with the uh, Dungeons of the uh, Dungeons of Deep or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's Dota. There's I played League of Legends briefly for a few months ago for the first time. Um, I have a big reverence and respect for those type of games, but it's something I just I couldn't dive into. I, I just knew I would get I'd be all in, and I just yeah right yeah that's um, that yeah it's a little it's a little tough. Rogan talked about that. He talked because he was a huge Quake Three guy. Oh, I didn't, he, I didn't know he was big into that. Oh, okay. yeah. He says that he was big into it, and he says he had to quit because he wouldn't be where he is now if he hadn't. Right. So there's that problem, that edge. And who knows, if he had come along 10 years later and got addicted to a different game, he could have been one of these professionals, and we wouldn't have his podcast yeah. and all the rest. Maybe up there with Ninja. He may not have a $100 million Spotify deal. He may have a, <laughs> have a, like have a Twitch deal. Else on Twitch. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Can you imagine uh, whatever you feel about Rogan? This is a podcast. Oh, he's yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's the master of podcasting, along with Adam Curry, who who's, yeah. who's your neighbor in Austin down there, uh, in the morning to Adam, and uh, he's he's great. But yeah, but Rogan, like, he's the Tonight Show. He the dude yeah. has become the Tonight Show, and it's it it boggles the mind that that he what they've accomplished uh, out there building their own platform and not asking anyone permission. Um, yep. And he will bring people, he will drag people over to Spotify. Um, just, oh, with, yeah, just no with doubt. his clout. Uh, so I, you know, hopefully Spotify gets his act together, uh, frankly, because I'm not a huge fan of their podcast interface. It's a little wonky, but then again, I'm not a fan of iTunes either. Uh, I, I feel yeah. like, I feel like neither of those companies has, has really, uh, gotten it right. Um, but I'm, I'm sure there'll be developments along the way. Um, yeah, I've yeah. always been preferred the YouTube setup, or at least podcast. I always love Joe Rogan's there, and I have other subscription channels that I follow as well. But I have no doubt they'll they'll get an audience on Spotify. If I had to guess, I'm sure Chappelle or a big time guest would be one of the first five to ten. I'm sure they'll yeah. have some people to to get people subscribed and, and on to that platform moving forward. So that's a good point. Uh, I, yeah, I wonder who the the first ten uh, ten guests are going to be because they're all going to be monsters. Oh yeah, no yeah. doubt about it. Because yeah, they they definitely want to say the big guns or use them to whenever that launches um, or the transition happens there. So it's like when Obama came on Marin, what a moment. Oh yeah. Uh, just a cultural shift um, of some magnitude. I wonder if uh, he who shall not be named uh, will go on <laughs> a podcast <laughs> before his presidency ends. <laughs> I was going to say, well, you get three guesses and the first two don't count. I'll already kind of assume who you're talking about. Yeah, but, right, right, right. Um, uh, I mean, man. That'd be a great way, a great headline into uh, cause some things. Yeah. I, I tune in. So. Oh, I, yeah, absolutely. I, I just don't think they'll risk it. Um, well, uh, circling back to the the video game, uh, I just have one more observation for myself, sure. and we're winding down. But do, do you know the film Twelve Monkeys? Well, uh, uh, I do not. No, uh, yeah, Terry Terry Gilliam, the guy who he was the Monty Python uh, okay. illustrator. He did Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, nice. uh, Time Bandits. Check out 12 Monkeys. It's uh, okay. Bruce Willis, Brad Pitt, and it's this time travel uh, psychodrama about a guy who's jumping back and forth in time to prevent a global pandemic from happening. Uh, okay. And that's a movie that right now, watching it, was extra poignant. Uh, I showed it to my fiance, and we watched it, and then... Because earlier this year, we were living in New York City. <laughs> We've had a right, year, right? right? And it just, again, like this game, you know, I think tonight will be made more poignant for you because mm-hmm. of the what's going on out in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we don't have to have literal zombies to feel like we're living in something like the zombie apocalypse. Right. Uh, I don't think I ever expected America to be masked up and to look the way that it does Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's taken me by surprise. I, I don't know how you feel. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know like other countries like China and so forth, uh, different circumstances and, and government and everything else, but they, I know countries like that have been wearing masks and doing things for many, many years and so forth. But to your point here, I, I never expected it to ever trickle into America to this magnitude that it has over the last three months, three plus months now. And, um, and again, it's just kind of a new normal in a lot of ways and just trying to respect that and to do what we can to, make do and, and help change and do make it a positive aspect, try to find the positivity out of these things. 
So yeah, I've never seen never seen mass, but like I know the carbon footprint and the the world has kind of had a, a chance to catch up. You're seeing wildlife in other areas you never would before. So I, there's there's some positivity that comes out of mm. crazy things like that. But to your point, man, I I, I never thought it would get to a, a scenario where we're wearing masks and yeah, and, it happens so yeah, protests happen and there's so much happening mm-hmm. all at once and it's uh it's definitely overwhelming, but. It's a good time to, to bust out a new video game, live stream yeah. something, try to take your mind off it somewhat. Obviously, there are very important things that we all have to do in terms of uh, For sure. justice and thinking about the future and the future we want to make out of what's left of the country and the economy. And yeah. I think we're going to do it. We will. I mean, you know, it's this stuff is not going to stop. The you know video, video game production is not going to stop. And uh, if anything, Hollywood has um, missed a beat. Uh, they, they haven't had a choice but to stop production. I wonder mm-hmm. if I wonder what's happened to the video game industry in, in, during this period. It, presumably, they've continued to work uh, on their games because that yeah. can, that can all be accomplished uh, in the background, right? You don't have to gather in some large, you know, studio, and, and that's right. that's an interesting thing to think about. Yeah, I think uh, I, I do a little acting and stuff before, so I, I'm with an agency here in Austin, and my agent. So a lot of people from LA and California have been transitioning to Texas because there's more uh, restrictions have opened more so than over there. So I know a lot of things are, as they're kind of starting to slowly open back up, are moving to other states that are, have more access to doing production and so forth. But as far as video games go, you can do a lot more stuff at home. I, I'm a big Super Smash Brothers fan. I mm-hmm. know the, the series for, for the Switch and Nintendo for so long, the fighting series. And uh, Masahiro Sakurai is the director and founder of it. In Japan, they, they, they had issues though because they're working on uh, downloadable content, additional characters um, for the past year and next year moving forward. So it's harder for them to even over there in Japan to do travel for their when they want to basically connect with another company for a third party to, to have another ca- guest character in the game. It does make it still difficult to do it. So, but they're still able to do more in house characters, more first party Nintendo characters, a little easier as they transition to more working at home and not being in studios. But there still is some some nuances they have to work around for especially for that example, but at least being in the in the digital medium and platform they are, it's easier than, for example, to a, in comparison to a, a, a movie set and having people there and so forth. Yeah. So it's yeah, uh, it's at least at least feasible that they're able to still manage uh, their deadlines and things they want to do. Um, without being in person. You know, one thing that this episode has reminded me of is that, Taylor, it's that we've, we are the adults now. A lot of times when you're looking at yeah. politics, it doesn't feel that way because the political uh, establishment is, is frankly so much older. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we have a president who I think he's an octogenarian. Uh, if not, he's, he's close. The, mm-hmm. the, his, his opposition is going to be, you know, near 80 or whatever, what have you. And here right. we are, but we are the adults and our stuff, uh, that we grew up loving is now like the classic rock of the world. Yep. I was out at the coffee shop today and the, and the barista served me coffee and she was wearing a Legend of Zelda t-shirt. Nice. And, I, and I was like, "All right, I can I can hang with this. It's great." Yeah, yeah, I can do that. yeah. I just want to go. Like I, I was playing that on my computer a couple of days ago. I was showing my daughter. Hey, you got to know your heritage. You have right. to. You know what I mean? I made a I made a post on social media. You know, you have to. You know, you have to jump on mushrooms. You have to yep. spit fire. You have to like. <laughs> you have to gather coins. All those things. And if you played Mario, of course, as everyone has, you know what I mean. And it provokes right. all these happy feelings. And and that's something to hang on to during uh, dark times. Um, Taylor, pitch your pitch your media uh, one last time. The the um, the the streaming, but also the the podcast, and then we'll get out of here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, thanks Kevin for having me. It was a really great discussion here. It just flies by here at the hour mark here. Absolutely, and. Uh, again, I stream on Mixer. It's mixer.com slash Tayrule. That's T-A-Y-R-O-O-L. Uh, the podcast I mentioned earlier is Nuts and Bolts Sports. Um, it's NBA, Nuts and Bolts Association, acronym NBA. But that's our, me and two other guys uh, talk about the NBA. It's usually been weekly, but it's been a little more sporadic, obviously, as developments have kind of moved slower here. Um, but we usually do one about it once a week, nutsandboltsports.com. Um, on social media there. And last time, my, my clothing line, Summer Zinc, is a big passion project I've been working on for a couple of years now. Um, it's mostly on Instagram, but uh, summers-inc.com with a K and at summers underscore inc on Instagram. Um, every, every 
charity or every different design is tailored to different charities and nonprofit organizations. So I'm working on some social justice ones moving forward as well. Uh, so definitely check me out on Instagram and summers Inc. All right. Ta- as well. All right. Taylor Summers talking about The Last of Us. And uh, I'll be thinking about you at 11 o'clock tonight as you like yeah. download that thing. I hope you have a great time, Taylor. Absolutely. Thanks again for having me, Kevin. I really do right, appreciate well, it. Take care. You too.